Uh, my name's Tim, and uh, glad you could make it and be with us this morning. You're probably thinking, Tim, are you going through puberty? No, I'm having a little sinus issue. Um, we were we did a ta- tailgate yesterday in the misty rains of St. Louis, over there in St. Charles, a three-hour tailgate party, and uh, it was it was incredible. A great great time being there. Good thing we had these little those little tent things to kind of huddle under. And uh, we, a lot of burnt offerings were given yesterday. I don't want to tell you. I couldn't tell what some of that stuff was. I got out my book of Leviticus to find out what's the procedure. <laughs> you know. But uh, great time. <clears throat> great time. And um, guys, are just a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And those of you guys who made the, uh, made the uh, devotional for the fellows, uh, Gary was just amazing. God used him in an amazing way uh, Friday night. And if you'd like to hear Gary's lesson, ask Gary, because we did not record it. <laughs> he would love to talk about that. It was that good. It was that good. Uh, my name's Tim, and uh, if it's your first time here, I'm glad you could make it and be with us this morning. Uh, sit back and relax. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. In fact, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read a little bit from the passage uh, this morning. Uh, I've been a Christian since 1977, and one of the things that... Um, uh, I remember was being a guest, uh, maybe maybe your first time guest, you know, or second time guest. You you're, you're coming to see what this church's about, or you've heard about us. I used to be a guest. I remember when I would, I was Denise would tell me, you know, why don't you come and and come to church with me? And and I, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Oh, come on, okay, I'll come, I'll check it out. Well, I asked my mother what to expect, and she'd give me an earful of what to expect when I went. Uh, to Denise's church to expect this. I've heard they're so strict their backs won't touch the back of the chairs. They live such straight lives, you know. So when I came in, I expected to see people not touching the back of the chairs. I was wrong. Some people said it's, it's, uh, that uh, a church like Denise's, they bring, they, I'm not kidding you, they bring chickens and stuff or stuff like that. I've heard that. You say, that's crazy, Tim. I bet you've got some crazy stories, too, about this church. There's a lot of them floating around, some of them true. But anyway, I remember coming in for the first time and sitting there uh, on a Sunday night. I didn't go on Sunday mornings because I went to my church on Sunday mornings, my, my little dead church. That's where I went. And then uh, Sunday night, I, I went with her, and I remember sitting next to her. And she didn't sit, we didn't sit in the back. I was used to sitting in the back row until after church camp, and I used to sit up here in the front row. I like sitting in the front row. That's where the action is, you know. You get to see all kinds of stuff happen in the first few rows. You people in the back, you're missing it up here. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, and, uh, and one of the things that she had us move us close to the front. We're sitting there, and the singing begins. And it, where's the piano? Where's the, where's, where's the guitar? Uh, what's going on here? And uh, there was just all kinds of things that I'd heard. But when I came, it was nothing like I expected. And that's what I want to do today is, is, as we're looking at the book of Acts, kind of just get a little personal with you, let you know what, what I went through as a guest. Um, you know, Denise studied with me over two years. A lot of people talk about uh, going through a study with a few weeks and, you know, two weeks later, maybe you're counting the cost, you become a Christian. I remember somebody one time, we used to talk about two-week list. The two-week list. What's that? Well, a person's thinking, and probably I see them in two weeks becoming a Christian. I was on the two-year list. I was stubborn, and I didn't like what I was hearing, and I fought Denise all the time. And when I came to her church, I watched everybody. I mean, I watched. 
I've been told, if you look close, you can find the pillars and the pillows in the church. And so I was looking for the pillows. I was looking to see who those people were, you know, the, the hypocrites. And, you know, I didn't have to look very far because I, I, I was doing the same thing. You know, I mean, it was, it, it was I, I saw inconsistency, but I'll tell you what I did see. I saw a lot of the things I'm about to read to you out of the book of Acts. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at this. Let's look at this book and, and read and learn about the Acts men. Okay? We're going to pick it up in, in chapter 1, verses 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Notice that even Jesus' family is in this group of about 120. It says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and he said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of the David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrest, arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Judas is one of the twelve apostles. If you know, he betrayed Christ and then he hung himself. And I think even Peter goes on to explain that. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all of his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that the field of uh, that field in their language, Alkadama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be one, no one, to dwell in it. By the way, last week we were reading this very psalm in the Daily Bible. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who, had, who, is, who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when he was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known Justice as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, kind of like shooting dice. They cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. I was trying to think, just imagining, here's Matthias has been like, on, like a wingman or on the bench, kind of like that extra guy. And Jesus dies, resurrects. Of course, Judas is dead. Forty days go by, because it's 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. And they're just a few days before Pentecost now. So all of a sudden, he's went from being a wingman or a, a guy on the bench to being in among the twelve. I wonder what that was like for Matthias. Just think about that for a minute. Wow. He's went from being this to, to being something else, and he's, he's one of the twelve, one of, one of the uh, twelve apostles. You know, when you're trying to be a church like you should be, there's going to be gaps of leadership occasionally, and they have to be filled. Would you agree with that? They have to be filled, folks. And so, uh, and that's what happens here right off the bat in Acts 1. Now, in Acts 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit enabled him. Now there, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men, uh, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, why is he saying that? Galileans aren't that sharp. They, uh, I make fun of the Edwards County School System because that's where I uh, went to school. Not real sharp school. I mean, some, some people went on to be good stuff. Just not me. Okay, so, and, and, and you, you find here, you find these, they're going, these guys are Galileans. They're not that sharp, and yet they're speaking in our own language. They know these guys haven't studied the language well enough to be able to speak it so good, so fluently. Notice he says here, Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring, listen to this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They're saying, you know, we, we, we're around these Christians and they make sense to us. What a novel idea in our society, huh? Wouldn't that be nice if Christianity made sense to some people? Because they're looking for answers. And a lot of Christians are wasting time on petty issues instead of helping people see the wonders of God. Amen. It says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? They had questions. And somebody in their own crowd goes, ah, they're drunk. That's got to be it. Well, they were wrong. It says here, then Peter stood up with the eleven. Here's a guy who used to cower and be intimidated by people around a campfire. Are you? Weren't you one of the followers? I don't know what you're talking about. And he moves to another burning barrel somewhere or another campfire. I think I've seen you with him. Never. And finally, you know, somebody says, I, th- I think you're one of those guys. And he cusses like that's going to convince them he's a pagan. And, you know, I was a sailor, by the way, so he knew the cuss words. And so, so no offense to you people in the Navy, I didn't I just realize I messed up there. You can cuss me out later. But look what it says here. <laughs> I couldn't help it. He stands up among the eleven, though, and raises his voice. Here's a guy who was denying Christ in the dark, followed him from a distance, now in broad daylight, in front of everybody. He stands up among the eleven. He stands up in boldness. And he starts talking, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I don't know what that means. I guess people usually don't get drunk at nine in the morning. I don't know. No, this is what the prophet Joel speaks about. In the last days, God will pour out his my spirit unto all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What's another word for prophesy? Speak. They will speak. Your young men will see visions and your old men dream dreams. I read that in the first verse. You know, it sounds like they're getting high in here. Ooh. They're dreaming dreams. They're seeing visions. I guess I could see why they would think they were drunk. Because they're used to people saying, you know, having these kind of experience. It has to be an alcoholic induced or something. There. Something's got to be somebody. But they, uh, Peter's making his point. This is what God is doing. And look what he says. Even my servants, and I want you to notice it says my servants now. That means you and me. 
Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Again, they will talk. They will teach. They will speak. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And look at the promise. And everyone who calls on his name will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through them, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. In other words, God knew what was going on. And he says, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I'll not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My my body will also live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. I love that. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God, what God had promised him, an oath, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the, of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. Notice it says that Jesus received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you see. Who poured it out? Jesus did. Jesus is still working in the book of Acts. You see that? Jesus is still working today. It says he poured out what you now see and hear, for David did not ascend into heaven, and yet he said this, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. What's he saying? The guy you killed with the help of wicked men is the promised Messiah, and he's in charge. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's alive. And you can just see him going, "Uh uh-oh. I mean, if you tried to knock somebody off, and you thought they were dead, and then read the next paper, they're alive, what do you think, what would you assume? I better hide. I got a feeling he's not happy. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means they were stabbed in the heart. They were going, panic. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They asked the twelve, what do we do? And Peter's the one that says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. Catch this. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. And he, I love that. I'm glad that verse is in there. With many other words. Peter's sermon is a little longer than we realize. That encourages me. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
Those who accepted the message were baptized. Question. If they didn't accept the message, were they baptized? Okay, so if they accepted the message, they were baptized? Was baptism part of the message? Seems to be. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. I remember a preacher one time saying, it wasn't like, awe, do we have to do that? Awe, come on. But awe, the awe of God. Everyone who came to this church was like, wow. Oh, this is, this is incredible. God is working. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And by the way, when it means everything in common, it doesn't mean, oh, you like the Packers too? That doesn't mean that. But they shared everything. Everything that they owned belonged to everybody else. That's how they viewed it. They held on to their possessions loosely because God may want to use them. So selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. I asked myself, man, when did they work? They worked every day. Well, how did they do this? How did they do it? Think about it. Work didn't stop them. They met together. They loved being together. They met together all the time. Kind of like the tailgater yesterday, man. It was just like huddled under those tents and... How long have we been out here? About three hours. Oh, it's already over? Someone says, well, let's do this again. Well, what can we make up? Let's make up some idea or some activity and we'll have another tailgate party. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They broke bread in their homes. All 3,000 met at somebody's house? I don't think so. But the practice was they went to each other's homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Sounds like a very positive place, doesn't it? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When I went to church for the first time, met Denise, went to Denise's church, I saw a lot of the stuff we're reading, we just read. I was amazed. And that church reached me. Yes, Denise was, you know, she was doing the studying, and Mike Napier did some preaching, and sometimes he would change, he would, he changed his sermon topic just because I was in the crowd. You ever have wondered if somebody's preaching at you? I know what that's like. He would tell me after my baptism, Tim, there's many times you'd be the only non-Christian in our church or, you'd, or I'd see you and I'm going, I'm going to preach at Tim. And everybody kind of was like, what's going on over here? And Denise is just smiling away, loving it. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at, I want you to look with me and I want to share with you what her church did. And what does an Acts 2 church do to reach people like you and me? What does it look like? What did they do? I mean, if you think about this, I think I've got a couple of passages up here. Look at these passages here. Am I right? Yeah, look. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. 
You know, I, I thought, wow, that's, you know, uh, Scott Robinson two weeks ago uh, placed membership here, right? Yeah, Scott. Huh? Thompson, I'm sorry. Stand up, Scott. There he is right there. I don't know why I said Robinson. And then we had a baptism just when? And Emily got baptized? Stand up, stand up. There she is. Isn't that awesome? And I understand there's a baptism today. Oh my gosh, stand up! Yeah! I'm way too many baptisms. You know, I, I look at that and I go, the Lord added their number daily, those being saved. I mean, what a church that had to be to experience daily conversions. Would you like to see that? I sure would. I like seeing them. I mean, I like seeing them once a month or every other week or every other day. But every day, wow, that would be a hoot. Look at this next passage. It says here that they reached 3,000 people in a day. I was talking to somebody last week in a church in Colorado. They've had 60 baptisms in one day. 60? You had 60? Yeah, we only had 60. In one day? In one day. Wow. Well, how long was that service? Did everybody stay? You know, I'm worried about that. See, I'm worried about those things. Well, it worked out, Tim. Don't worry about it. Okay. 60 baptisms one day. That's, a, that's amazing. I don't know about you guys, but I, what I notice is this church here in Acts 2 reached people. They reached people. And I want to be a part of an Acts 2 church. I'd like to be in on this. And when I went to church as a guest, I noticed five things in this passage that I think, well, I think will challenge us to be an Acts 2 church here. Well, what are they, Tim? Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to, you and I, the Great Old Church, or the Church of Mount Carmel, or wherever, you're going, to, you're going to reach people. We're going to reach people just like you and I, first of all, when I decide, when I'm bold. If there's anything I notice in Acts, in Acts chapter 1 and 2 that we read, was all the examples of boldness. I mean, Peter is bold. Peter, who used to cower, who used to be afraid, spoke up. Let's look at that passage. There it is. He stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice. He didn't just go, Okay, guys, let me tell you what this is about. He raises his voice. He doesn't, he doesn't say, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know him. He's raising his voice and he's bold with it. And he's very clear. And he says, listen, understand, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. He says, listen carefully to what I say. He doesn't want anybody to misunderstand him. What's boldness to you? Boldness for me is going to be a little different, isn't it, than it is for you? I mean, that's, so I'm not going to tell you that you have to be bold like me or do what I do to be bold, but, but be bold in your way. What would that look like? See, when I went to church at the Mount Carmel Church of Christ and, I'm, and I walk in, I noticed these people would talk about the Lord. And they were bold about things. They didn't walk up and go, Now listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I'm fixing to tell you a true story. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. They didn't preach at you. But they would... Be, they, I, here's the boldness I saw. I invited my family members and I would get with... You know, they would get with their family and they'd invite their family. They would talk to their family about Jesus. They'd invite, I'd see them bring friends to church. I'd see them bringing... I'd see them bringing 
uh, family and friends and co-workers. But the real thing got me was they were actually bringing strangers to church. Strangers. How do you know that, Tim? They'd go door knocking. What are you talking about? They'd walk up to a door and, you know, here we go. They'd walk up to a door and they'd go like this. Here's how I knock on a door. Nobody's home. This is how Barry Dotson knocked on a door. I was waiting to say, this is the police. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I remember after I became a Christian, I was so, I mean, Robert and I, at preacher school, we would we would had we had these classroom doors, and Robert and I were. They said your assignment this week is to go out and do some door knocking. <laughs> we both are like shocked, scared, man. How are we going to do this? And Robert goes, I know what we'll do. Let's practice. Yeah, practice. So we got to a classroom door, and there'd be a door there. And I said, and Robert would say, uh, I'll tell you what, Tim, you go first. I'll be the I'll be the first in the house, and you be the door knocker. I said, okay. I go, dun, 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 dun. He opens the door. Hello. And I go, hi, my name's Tim. I'm from the Mount Carmel Church of Christ. Good to meet you. And I just want to tell you a little bit about my church. He goes, oh, that's wonderful. I'll be there this Sunday. Well, thank you very much. Click. Easy. This is easy. I'm not exaggerating, man. I went, this Robert and I are going, what's the problem? Okay, let's switch. So, Robert gets on a ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. I go, Woo, 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 woo. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I open the door. I go, what do you want? He goes, huh? What do you want? I'm back here. I got a beer and a cigarette. I'm busy. What do you want? And he's, he's sitting there going, well, I want to tell you, I'm from the Mount Cumberland Church. Goes, church! I don't go to church. Slam the door in his face. Because Tim, come on. But I said, well, we got to be ready for anything. And we, I'll just tell you, that's what we did. We practiced. He'd be the mean guy. I'd be the first. Oh, my. Back and forth, we'd do this till we got over our fear, we thought. And then we'd go out and do it for real. I kid you not, Barry Dotson. I knock a hundred doors with him. He goes, you scared to knock doors? I'm terrified. Come with me. And we knock a hundred doors in one day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And Barry, bam, 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 bam. The guy walks up. And I go, there he is right there. Where you what? There's the guy. And what do you want? Because I bet I woke you up, didn't I? Well, here's what we're doing. We're going around inviting people to church. We have a church bus, picks up kids. And the guy goes, well, i got a couple of kids. It'd be nice to get them out of my hair for a couple of hours. And we signed up two kids to ride the bus. And I'm walking away going, because I'm sorry, Tim, not all the doors are like that. I go, we just got two kids to ride a church bus. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. That's how you knock doors. Oh, my God. But you know, I'm saying it's a, the boldness level was just incredible. And people were bold with each other. They weren't rude to each other. They didn't beat each other up. They'd say, listen, I need to tell you something. I need to work on this. We, I want to show you. I want to tell you you're offensive and here's why. Or you need to work on your money. You need to work on your habits here. And people appreciated it. Boldness filled the air. Bold churches reach people. They reach me. They sure reached me. The preaching, bold. Not rude. Just as straight as Mike can make it. Letting the audience decide what to do. 
You know, it's, it's funny here. Um, you think about what Peter, the kind of things Peter brought up in Acts 2. He brought things up like, we've got a hole in our leadership. We need to deal with it. I mean, that's, he just brought that up. We got a problem. And he brought it up. He didn't hide it. He didn't sweep it under the rug. We got to deal with this gap. This, like a missing tooth. This gap right now in our leadership. Let's deal with it. And then, he's, then he says things to these people. I mean, his first sermon, your very first Bring Your Neighbor Day, if you want to call it that. Everybody, everybody's all gathered around. He goes, you killed Jesus. Which word do you want me to circle? You killed, I think I know, Jesus. Got it. With the help of wicked men. I wasn't even in town. That's the point. He not only does that, not only does he, does he, he say that, he says things like, oh, by the way, the guy you killed is both Lord and Christ. I mean, man, that's really putting it on you. You killed the guy you were waiting for all along, you dopes. You mean we killed the Messiah? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, you killed him. Oh. Peter just, and with many of the words, save yourself from this corrupt generation. I get to see somebody going, oh, what are we talking about? I'm talking about I have to save myself. Corrupt. I'm not corrupt. You are. Save yourself with many of the words. He pleads with them. Guys, where's our boldness? Where's your boldness this morning? Because the Acts 2 church was bold. And, they, and a bold church reaches people. Do you speak up? Look what, look what Peter says here. He says, in the last days God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. He says, you guys, your descendants are going to prophesy. What's another word for prophesy? Speak up. I think we think prophesy means uh, the next week you're going, to, you're going to run into some money. That's prophecy? What's he mean by this, this word prophesy? He's talking about your men and your, your people are going to start speaking up. Guys, it's happening right now. I'm one of your people. I'm a Jew too. We're spe- it's happening. And not only that, it says, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. Even the servants of, of God are going to speak up. You know, God hasn't changed his mind. He's still needing his servants to speak up. Do you speak up? I, I, there's a movie called Saved. I guess it makes evangelistic people look annoying. And I'm not saying you need to be annoying, you know, and you know, hallelujah, ha! or something like that at people. But speaking to people in a humble, straightforward manner. I've had people say, man, give it to me straight. Or thanks for being honest with me. Why would this church, why does the church at, at Mount Carmel... In 1977, 74, 75, the years I happened to be in high school speak to me so boldly. Why would they do that? And why would this church do Why would this church in Acts 2 do that? And why should we, in 2013, the Greater Alton Church, do the same? Because the Bible says, look at this passage. The Bible says here in Romans, before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in Him. And before He can believe in Him, they must hear about Him. And, and for them to hear about Him, someone must tell them who's going to speak up. The church that speaks up reaches people. The church that speaks up reaches people. In Acts 4, they're told to shut up 
And look what the church prays for. Stop hitting us. No. Oh, maybe we can do this without getting into trouble. No. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. Wait a minute. We just read something about the servants speaking and prophesying. And here it is. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What a prayer to ask God. If you're having a hard time speaking. Guys, I'm not. It's hard for me to speak to people. I'm scared of people. No, you're not. You're in front of people. I'm terrified of you. That's the truth. I have to set, I have to put my fears aside. I've left them back there. The scaredy Tim is behind that behind that partition, just you know, wetting his pants right now. Okay, and I want you to know it's it's only by faith that I can say anything to you. And I but I want you to know it's not just speaking on your behalf. If you bring a guest here at church. You, you want a guy that can tell you to tell the truth and be bold and help people think. But are you going to speak up? See, the leaders can say, we're going this way. We're going to do this. But you decide if we're going to be a church that's evangelistic. You're going to, you decide if we're, what kind of church we're really going to be. It's not just strong leadership we need to have here at Greater Alton. You know what we need? Strong fellowship. Strong discipleship from every disciple here. You decide what this church is going to be like. If it's going to be here 20 years from now. And if, uh, by the way, guys, if you're investing in this church, it will be here 20 years from now. But we've got to be bold. The Bible says the wicked flee, though no one's pursuing. But the righteous, they're as bold as the lion. So we've got a 1 to 10 scale. Now, before you start circling or doing it, don't circle anything yet. You're going to do two things here. I want you to put a square around the number that you think represents Greater Alton Church. Do you think we're a bold church? Are we like a lion or more like a lamb? Where would you put the boldness of Greater Alton? Is it more like a lamb or more like a lion? Put a square around that number. Once you've done that, now I want you to circle a number to rate your boldness personally. Are you like a lamb or like a lion? You say, how would I answer that, Tim? Well, just ask yourself this. Two, two thoughts to ask. One is, for the square, would I be reached today by the boldness of the greater Alton church? And then maybe to help yourself go, would I be reached if people, if this, if people were as bold as me right now? Would I have been reached? I had people challenging me to come to church. I had people challenging me to look at my relationship with God. You know, I've told you this before. Denise and I would go to a drive-in movie. Everybody else is making out and, you know, having a good time, it looked like. What you know Denise and I are doing? We're looking at the Bible. I'm like, why did we... Even? I don't even remember the movies we watched. We're arguing about the Scriptures. You say, that's just weird. I agree with you. At the time, I would agree with you, you know. I thought it was weird too. But she'd lay the relationship on the line sometimes to say, look, Tim, look at this. You've got to look at this. So where's your boldness today? Because I'll tell you what, when we're bold, correction, when you're bold, you'll reach people like you. Number two, when I'm committed to God. Well, that's a fundamental, Tim. Is it? Is it a fundamental in your life? 
the early church, the Acts 2 church, it says they devoted themselves. Circle that. They devoted themselves. I don't know how many times, you know, it's so easy for us to say, well, the church will go get going because somebody else will take care of that. But the early Christian, the Acts 2 church, they devoted themselves. What does that mean? They made a personal commitment themselves. And when I'd go around, when I'd go around Denise's church, I'll tell you what I noticed. Lots of committed people. Now, I don't know, Denise, I don't know, I've never asked her this. I don't know if she made sure I sat around certain people that were committed. Because I don't remember sitting in the same spot. We kind of moved around. I don't know if she did that or she made sure I was around, you know, committed people. But the pe- I listened. And guest, if you're a guest, you should listen. You should listen close to what we talk about. Because you're going to find out what matters to us. And if Christ don't matter to us, go find another church. Let me know what you find. I might go with you. I'm serious. Guys, the early church, it it was about Christ. It wasn't, listen to me, it wasn't about... We're going to build a great church. Have you ever done this before? You, you, You're working on something so much that you forget why you were working on it to begin with? Happens to me all the time. And what I noticed, what I noticed when I went to church with Denise was there were people involved in ministries. There were people doing all kinds of all kinds of things. They, they were involved. They were involved in helping others. They were they were they were. Uh, Praying, and we see this in Acts 1 and 2. Praying for leadership. Praying, you know, praising God and praying and, and devoted to prayer. Because it was about the Lord, not about ministries. They served. Yes, there were certain ministries they had, but it wasn't about being involved in a ministry. It was about ministering. I'll say it this way to you. When I, went to the, when I went to the Mount Carmel Church of Christ, they did not have a youth group. Well, yeah, they did, Tim. Oh, they had a group of teenagers, but they didn't have a youth group. Well, yeah, they t- I'm sure, Tim, they got together. Well, yeah, I got with them. I was in, uh, you know, I was in high school. I saw, I saw them. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but there was no youth minister. And youth group, they didn't call it Kadab or Kadab or Kadui or Kadesh or whatever. They didn't call it anything like that. They were just teenagers that were committed to God. And they went to school and shared their faith. How do you know that? Because my girlfriend shared her faith with me and with her friends. They didn't have no cross chat or what. What are you trying to say, Tim? Well, they didn't have a campus ministry either. Did you know that? There's no cross between. There's none of that. No fancy shirts. Walking around, looking like, oh, man. Cross between. Gotcha. Oh, I know him. I know that. They're part of the campus. How do you know? They all sit together. There was no name for this. They had to have campus students, Tim. They did. And they reached campus people. 
What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying it was for the Lord, not for a structure. It was for the Lord, guys, that they did these things. It was about it was always about God. They gave, they learned, they worked. That's what I saw. No campus minister. By the way, now Tim, are you saying you don't want a youth minister? Oh no, I want a youth ministry. Okay, yeah, I used to. I was a youth minister for several years. Do you want to have? Do, do you want to have a youth minister? Absolutely, I'd love to get some youth minister. Do you want a campus minister? Absolutely, I want a campus ministry, and I want a campus minister. Absolutely, I want those things. But you know what? I want more. Take a wild guess. People committed to the Lord. They were committed to God. The early church was committed to God. It was, it was about God. It wasn't about, look at us in Mount Carmel. You're saying, Tim, but it happened. I'm sure. Did, they ever, did it ever happen to them? Yes, it did. And guess what? They didn't reach people. They had trouble reaching people. Because they're more committed to a system than a Savior. A tradition rather than the Lord Himself. Look at, look at here. Peter, Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right for God and God's sight to obey you rather than men. For we can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. And notice this. Peter says, I'm in a pickle. People, I've heard some people say it. We're in a pickle sometimes. And God, you, sometimes we think we're in a pickle between people or between churches. And, and Peter says, you know where the real pickle is? Between doing what God says and pleases God and doing what people want me to do. And he says, you guys decide. Is it, do you think it's right for us in God's sight to obey you rather than God? And the answer is, well, no. no, no. It was a commitment to the Lord, church. It was a commitment to God that these people had. Look at Deuteronomy. This is, by the way, this passage is the passage that Peter, the hearers of Peter are hearing. This is what they believed. This is what they were taught since they were kids. And so you can see Peter's trying to appeal to them and appeal to this passage, so to speak. Don't, shouldn't you obey God, not people? Because doesn't our heritage teach this? That you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to His commands. I could just see Peter going, you know that passage. Judge based on what God has said before. Is it right for us to obey God or man? You know, I've learned something, church. I've learned something going the last few weeks. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could lie to you right now. Man, I wish I could lie. But I've got to be honest about something. I've discovered that I have more faith in people than I do God. Well, you should have faith in people. You're not listening. Having more faith in people than the Lord. How do you know that? I will worry about what some people could do to Greater Alton Church rather than worrying about what the Lord can do. I'm worried about what, or I'm thinking about what these, somebody could do to Great Old Church, and then what could God do with this church? See, I'm in a pickle. And the pickle I'm between, and the pickle you're really between, church, is this. Will I commit myself to God or to a person? These people are committed to God. And it's a church like this that re- reached me. 
And it's a church like that that we need here. Where's your commitment this morning? Would you say you're totally committed? First of all, ask yourself, as a church, do you think, a scale of 1 to 10, as a church, do you think we're totally committed as a church? Then rate us high. If it's about the Lord, rate us high. But if it's with reservations and you go, you know, I, I don't know if we're really, it's about the Lord. It may be more about men and people and all that. Rate us low as a church. Now rate yourself. Where was your, where's your commitment? Where would you put it? Are you committed to God? Do you, give, do you devote yourself? Or does somebody else do that you're devoting for you? You're depending on them. Here's the third thing. The kind of church that reaches, that reaches people like you and I, and, and, and it happens here, not only when I'm committed to God, but when I focus on what God says. When I focus on what God says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? They taught what Jesus said, what God said. That's as simple as we can get it. And they devoted themselves to what God said. I love what... Here's, here's an example. Look at David here in Psalms. Look how David, Here's how he's devoted. Teach me, O Lord, to follow every one of your principles. Isn't that something? Because I want to obey them all. I'm not going to pick and choose. If I'm going to pick and choose, I'm going to pick all of them. I'm going to choose all of them. I want to know every one of these. You know, one of the things that's, that, uh, as a guest, when I, would come, when I would come to church with Denise, I noticed was everybody brought their Bibles. Now, I know today, back then they didn't have PowerPoint. We had that overhead projector, and we never used it like this. Okay? So, you know, there wasn't even uh, Windows 3.0 or 3.1. Windows was what you looked out of. We didn't even have that back then, Okay? But today, you know, you've got the PowerPoint. Isn't it nice? I mean, we can cover a gob of scriptures in a hurry, can't we? I love that about that. I mean, I've got scriptures in your notes, not in your notes, up on the screen. You're like, where are they coming from? Everywhere. I love being able to cover stuff like that and cover a lot at one time. We can read it together. So I'm not necessarily saying that if we bring our Bibles all to church, then we'll start reaching people. What I'm trying to tell you is, what I noticed about these Christians at Mount Carmel and the church, and I read about in Acts 2, where they matched, was that they were devoted to getting in the Bible all the time. They'd quote it. They would quote it. They were in the Bibles. They, they would be reading their Bibles on their own. On their own. I, I know, I know. Permit me to be a little silly. Anybody seen Waterboy? My mama says, mama says, your mama is wrong. My mama says, your mama is wrong again, boy. I'd say, you see, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, I'd be with Denise and I'd go, well, my mom says, instead of something about my Abdullah God or whatever, you know, all that stuff, she'd say, well, what does God say, Tim? Huh? I know your mom says this. I know you love your mom. But what does your father say in heaven? Um, huh? Are you saying my mom and my father in heaven may not be saying the same thing? That's really interesting. 
And she would say, just remember this, Tim. Your emotions are saying your mom is right. But set them aside a minute and really use your brain here. Look at your faith and your feelings. Not your feelings. Look at, look at the facts, not your feelings. And see what the Bible has to say. That was a big, big deal. I never had anybody say, what does the, what's the Bible say? And so I, I began to study the Bible, though, renewed spirit. Guys, I took a three-year break from reading Christian books. I don't know if you knew that. I did. I took three years off. I just couldn't read any more Christian books. You say, why not, Tim? I think it's a money-making scam. A lot of books. And you say, you're going to recommend a book. Well, I'll recommend a book. Of course. <laughs> but I can't believe how many Christian books are they're bad books out there. How do you know that? I've read a lot of them. And I finally got to the point where I was reading something from either Andy Stanley or Rick Warren or Bill Hybels or Greg Rochelle, and I was reading all that, and here's the thing that works today, and no, 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 it's this today. No, no, it's this, it's this. No, this idea. Over here, Doc, over here, this is the best idea. And I finally went, that's it. I can't take it anymore because I was confused. I was going around going, oh, yeah, we'll do that. No, no, we can't. No, no. What would you say, Rick? Okay, we'll do that, too. What would you say, Andy? I like you, Andy. I like the way you preach. Okay, I'll do that, too. And I could not take And then the emails on top of that and the websites, it overloaded me. And I finally went, you know what? I'm going to take a break from all you guys, and I'm just going to read this book. And guess what I found out? A lot of good ideas in this one here, too. A lot of good ideas. This is the source of the ideas. Now you say, well, Tim, are you saying all books are bad? No, because there's some books, if you read them and they're using Bible, a lot of good Scripture, uh, you, but you still got to come back to this. Devoted to the Word of God. I'm not interested anymore in hearing the latest idea from the greatest church wherever, unless it's, I can find it in here. I'm going to probably not be as interested anymore. Best thing I ever did was took a break. I'm reading Christian books again, by the way. I started reading about six months ago. And, I, and I am, I'm, I'm enjoying them. But I needed to get my head cleared and give it a good scrubbing with the Word of God. I want to ask you, church, do you focus on the Word of God? Shortly after I became a Christian, I was wrestling with the idea of what do I do? What do I do? I had a big decision in front of me. What do I do? What do I do? And Susan Dotson comes up to me. Tim, I can tell you're wrestling with something. I said, well, Susan, I tell her what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. Should I do this? Should I do that? And she takes her Bible out and says, turn with me to James chapter 5. And I turn to James 5. Look at verse 16 and 17. It says there, it says, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Have you been praying about it, Tim Gill? No, I haven't, Susan. I've been worried about what my dad's going to think, what my mom's going to think, what you know, other people are going to think. Well, that's your problem. You're, 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 think, you're thinking about the wrong people. You need to think about what Jesus would want you to do, and you ought to pray to God. Take a week. And she introduced this novel idea. Why don't you try fasting one day? Well, what's that? Going without eating for a day. Are you crazy? Just try it. Every time you're hungry, pray. I prayed all day. And you know what? God gave me clarity. And I always, I remember telling Susan, you know, you know that made a big impact on me, Susan. You just sharing with me the Scripture rather than what you think. What you think. Everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody's got their own view, folks. You have your own view. I got my own view. You've got your agendas. 
I got my agendas. Let's be honest now. But God has an agenda. God has a view. And we need to pay attention to Him. What's He say? What's the Bible say? It says here in Psalms 119, I delight in your decrees. I'll not neglect your word. So, here's our scale to 1 to 10 again. Look what it says here. And it goes like this. When it comes to devotion to God's word, do I tend to neglect it or do I delight in it? As a church, do you think it's about the Word of God or do you think it's about the Word of men? Do you think we neglect the Word of God as a church or do we delight in it as a church? And make a circle where you would say you are personally because if you're devoted to what and focus on what God says, you'll reach people just like you. Number four, I'll reach people just like me when I deeply love others. When I deeply love others. Jesus one time said this. He said, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. And he says, as I have loved you. That's deep. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I don't know who first said it. I tried to search it the world over. and There's so many people taking credit for this statement. But you've heard it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Jesus says, well, that's true, but people, he says, are going to know if you know me, if you love one another. Guys, to know the Bible, by the way, if we're going to reach people, we better know what we're talking about, but we also need to love like God talks about. We've got to learn to love people deeply. I won't reach anybody if I'm a jerk. You say, well, I'm not a jerk. Good for you. Glad. But maybe you're indifferent. What do you mean? You're a quiet person. You don't really express a lot of love to people. And because you're quiet, people read into that that you don't care. That's the world, folks. That's what they believe. If you're quiet and and your love is passive, I think the Bible says... Better open rebuke than hidden love, it says. And, and you read 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love is, an ex, is expressing things to people. Expressing affection. Expressing the truth to people. Expressing that you care to people. That you care for people. That you love people. It took me, took me you know what I wrestled with before I was baptized? My family would reject me. And I knew if, if, I didn't, if I didn't somehow sacrifice that, that, that Jesus couldn't be on the throne if my mother was still there. And I had to, I had to that, was the, that was my pickle. And I remember finally going, I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to do it. And I made that commitment to God. I was baptized. And I'm on my way, you know, on my way home. I'm a Christian. I'm finally saved the way the Bible teaches I, not the way my church teaches it, not the way a traditional view, te- but the way the Bible really says it. I feel so confident, so good inside. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, but you haven't told your mother or father yet. You know what's waiting for you when you get home. And when I get home, my mom and dad lay into me so much. Denise took me home and you waited outside 
I come back outside and she's crying and holding on to me and I'm crying because I'm being rejected by my family. I'm thinking, how can I ever reach them if they reject me now? It was Saturday night. I go back in the house. Denise drives on home. Saturday night, I go upstairs. I'm laying in bed. I can't sleep. My mother won't speak to me. My dad won't speak to me. My brothers won't speak to me. I get up the next morning. You know, I'm not a, I, as a teenager and as a college student, I was not very disciplined. I didn't comb my hair. Maybe bathe every once in a while. I, I, I had a long way to go. And I, I didn't have anybody. Mom usually got me up. Or Dad usually got me up. But I set my alarm clock, I think for the very first time, and got up. And I knew how long it would take me to get ready and go to church. The church was 20 miles away. I get ready. I'm walking. I'll never forget as long as I live that day, that first Sunday. I go to another church on a Sunday morning without my mother. My mother's going to go to hers, and I'm going to go to this new one now. I walk down the steps. Start to walk out the door, and I listen, and I can hear my mother crying in her bedroom. Get in the car. I'm driving down the road, and all I can think about is how I've hurt my family. I wish they could understand. And I begin to weep for 20 miles. I finally pull into the Mount Carmel Church of Christ. I get out of my car. i got to get my tears all in order here, you know. My eyes are shot, bloodshot, red. I'm a mess, not, you know, you know, just a mess. I'm walking in, and there's five women in line at the doorway. And they just grab a hold of me and hug me. I'm going, what, what's going on? And they're, oh, Tim, we're so proud of you. Norma, Norma Doty's the first one to hug me. My mother-in-law, future mother-in-law. Betty Armstrong, a little short woman. She gives me a big hug. Tim, God's going to take care of you. Now, this is before Twitter. This is before Facebook. This is before cell phones. This is before, I don't know if, how gossip gets out back then. I guess you just, you know, Tim's in trouble. Tim's in trouble. Tim's in trouble. Tim's in trouble. I don't know how they do. Maybe Denise come in and told her mom, and her mom gets all these older women together that have been Christians a long time. I don't know, what, I don't know how it worked, but they're hugging me. And I go to the next person. Five of them. You ever wonder where I get that? You need five hugs a day? Now you know where it comes from. And I, by the fifth time, Susan Dodson gives me a hug. I'm reminded of the passage in Matthew where it says, If you give up your mother, father, sisters, brothers, I will give you more of them. More of them. And more of them. And church, for those of us here that feel pretty good today, you've got some people around you that need five hugs. Who are they? They're somewhere around here. You need, you need to keep your eyes peeled. Because it filled me up. They deeply loved me enough. My, my, my future mother-in-law, I'm dating her, her daughter, says, you can move in with us if you need a place to stay. Are you sure you want to do that? I mean, I'm a Christian, but the hormones are really working right now. Are you sure? And I have, I have another person offered if you need a place to stay. And they weren't saying it 
like uh, if you need something, just let me know. They were saying, no, I've, really, I've got an extra bed. I've got one right now ready for you if you need that. Felt deeply loved. Friendships. We did everything together. All kinds of things together. It says that the early church, it says here in Acts, they were devoted to fellowship. And that's where I'm getting this idea of love. They devoted themselves to, and to fellowship. They were constantly together. They spent time together. They ate in each other's homes. They shared life together. They shared love together. Love wasn't just nice words, but actions and service and help. And I needed it. Guys, when I went to church as a guest, it was the most positive place on the planet for me. And the people in, this, in that church made sure it was a positive place. It says here, be devoted to one another like a loving family. That's what it says in Romans. Like a loving family. So I want to ask you, I know that, by the way, I know this church has been criticized for not loving people. And I want you to know that uh, I think that many times it's true. So I'm not saying be nice to us, you know, be nice to us as a church. But on a scale of 1 to 10, put a square around a number that you think best represents how loving this church is. Put it any way you want. It's your opinion. It's your view. There's no wrong answer. Be honest about Greater Alton Church. But also be honest about yourself. Be honest how loving have you been. Do you love as Christ loved you? Is it more like friends or like family? Well, Tim, friends is good. It's not family, though. And the last thing I noticed about this, this uh, passage that I think really had a major impact on me was that was it was a place of praise. And see, the church will reach people. This church will reach people like you when you praise God. Well, I came to, you know, guys, I went to, I went, by the way, I went to church, I went to church in a country church, about 50 people. And the piano was so loud, you could barely hear anybody sing. And I sang loud. There's only one way to sing at church. Loud. Why? Because the Bible says that. You, you look at the Psalms. Sometimes read through the Psalms and just look up the word praise or praising. And David even says, I will praise out loud. He says that one time in the assembly. So when, I know every once I hear Mickey go, Woo! Everybody goes, What is there something wrong with her? She's praising God. I'd go to, I'd go to church, and, they, and, and I'd, again, as a guest, I'd sit there, and I'd go, where's the instruments at? And then I'd listen to the singing, and I'd go, holy cow, they don't need one. And I would hear the church sing. It wasn't the song leader or a worship team that impressed me. It was the people. And again, I don't know what Denise did. If she made sure we sat around singers, maybe she did. I don't know. Uh, would we have to do that here? Would we have to do that? Oh, don't sit over there because they don't sing over there. That's the non-singer. There's the non-instrumental group. Then there's the non-participation group. You know, uh, you believe in acapella? Yeah, well, I believe in acapella. Singing without people. 
Good luck with that. But guys, I want to tell you, when I would go in and I would listen, and we sang old songs, we sang new songs, we sang all kinds of songs. It was, I've got to tell you, I, a lot of, by the way, 90% of the songs we sang, I didn't know. They were new songs to me. But I didn't care. Because they praised the Lord. And these, again, look at, look at the passage here. Look at it says in Acts 2. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I remember one time Robert and I were... Remember the power went out in the old assembly room? When the power went out and we had candles everywhere? I would go over to Robert and I'd go, Man, it looks like a bunch of Satan worshippers here today. He goes, well, in about ten seconds, it's going to be obvious who we're worshiping. <laughs> and yeah, it is. And the place got cra- it was rocking crazy, and we had candles. Okay. Well, I came in. I'd go into my church, and it didn't look. I didn't, you know, the one, the, the member I was, the little country church. There were times I wondered, are we worshiping God? But when I came to the Nisa church, it was obvious who people were praising. And that touched me personally. It encouraged me so much. Just a few weeks ago, we were at the Mount Carmel Church again, and, and we're sitting there. Um, I've watched this church go through its ups and downs. Churches do. You better get used to it. If you can't handle that, you're, if you can't handle the drama, you're not going to be in the movie very long. Okay? If you can't handle the ups and downs of the church, you're going to be, you're going to be having a long time. You're going to have trouble for a long time. This is an imperfect place. And so is the church that reached out to me. And I've watched it soar like an eagle and crash like a buzzard so many times. But we were there just a couple of weeks ago, and Denise and I were sitting there, and they had this one song leader. They don't have a worship team. And he gets up and he goes, Okay, we're going to sing a song. He's so quiet. We're going to sing a song. Here we go. Ready? I'm going. And, okay, and we're singing, and, it's, and he sings really pretty. But I could hear the church for the first time in a long time. I begin to weep. It's just so good to hear Christians praising God. It's so good to hear a church participate. And I want you to know we have a worship team that encourages you. But guys, you encourage the worship team. You encourage the worship of God and the praise of God when you participate. Well, Tim, I'm not a very good singer. Well, the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't have to be in tune. And I'm telling you, I sing with a lot of people that are off key. But they sing out. It encourages me that they wouldn't let that stop them. It says here in Acts 16, even when they were suffering, even when it was going in the tank, even though they'd been beaten, look what the Bible says. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Hmm. What are we finding out? People listen to your praise. Can they hear it? Well, I sing on the inside. Can they hear that? You're just going to make me feel guilty for not singing. Uh huh. But I'm not just talking about singing. I'm just talking about praising God in general and giving God the glory, giving God the credit, praising God for well, not just in song, but in our when we speak. By the way, those other prisoners would hear that 
A jailer would hear that, and an earthquake would take place, and this jailer would say, not to the prisoners who were listening, but to the men who were singing and praising God, what do I do to be saved? Because those guys seem to know what to do. People are listening to your praise at work. They're listening to your praise at home. And I want you to know that guests, guys, listen to your praise when they come through our doors. Because I used to be one. Oh, how I listened. Jean Thread would sing. She had this high-pitched voice that would break glass. And I remember hearing it for the first time. Everybody else is over here. She's way up here in the Mount Everest octaves. I'm like, and my first thought is, who is that? Denise goes, that's Jean Thread. And you know, I got to where I go, wow, she's, she's got a lot of guts to sing that way. And then I realized, wait a minute. She's got a lot of love to sing that way. I, re- I was always I'm incredibly encouraged by Jean Thread. She sings that way still. When I go when I go to Mount Carmel. The Bible says here to praise I will praise the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all the miracles you have done. I'll be happy because of you, God most high. I will sing praises to your name. When it comes to praise at Greater Alton on a scale of one to ten, put a square around. Is it more about is it from the heart? Or is it lip sync? Is it really from your gut and your heart? Is it, would you say the praise here is, is from the heart? The heart? Or is it more about lip sync? And if you were to rate yourself, where would you put it? Would you put it it's from the heart, Tim? Or is it, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of going through that song. I'm really just saying, praise God. I'm really not not from the heart when I'm talking about the Lord at work. Now, I want you to look at all your ratings. What do you notice? Are the, the circles and the squares close together? Or are they far apart? What does it mean to them if they're close together? What's it mean if they're far apart? I think you need to figure that out. I've got my opinion. Why don't you figure that out? If they're far apart, why? If they're close together, why? And talk about that this week. In your groups. Over coffee. Over Facebook. you got a card right now in your bulletin? I simply want to give you the opportunity. We're going to sing a song. I'll give you an opportunity to write in that card. Maybe you have a prayer request or a decision you want to make today. And you'd like for people to pray about that decision or pray have a prayer request. We're going to sing a song while you do that. And then we're going to sing another song. And we're going to take up, we'll take up those cards. You can stay seated. We'll take up those cards. And uh, also our weekly contribution. If you're a guest at our church here at Greater Alton, we want you to know that you're not under any obligation to give. That's entirely up to you. If you want to give, we'll use the money. We'll help some people. I know, I know Melissa Nelson's needing some help with her mother's funeral expenses. And if you'd like to help Melissa with, with the funeral expenses of her mother, you can, you, you can see somebody at the Welcome Center, make that check out, and, uh, uh, and see them afterwards. Uh, if you'd rather just put it in a plate, 
just put Melissa's mom and we'll we'll make sure she gets it too. Um, may God bless you as we sing, as we reflect, as we think right now. And may God help you make up your mind what kind of church is Greater Alton going to be. And may this church be a place we reach people. That you, that you be the kind of person that, that can reach someone like you.